0: It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. "'Quick, get up,' he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, "'Put on your clothes and sandals,' and Peter did so. "'Wrap your cloak around you and follow me,' the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord has brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they had depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Uh, good evening, church. Uh, great to read God's Word together again. Uh, before we do that, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your Word. Thank you that your Gospel advanced uh, even to Hong Kong and to the end of, ends of the earth. Father, I pray that as we listen to your Word, please um, yeah, help us to uh, listen well, to obey. And please help me to, to be clear and faithful to your Word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, throughout the summer, Winnie and I went to uh, quite a bit of these kayaking journeys. And, and with the, uh, many journeys out, we went out, I've learned one thing. Uh, my limit to kayaking is basically level two wind, uh, which is also known as no wind. Uh, anything above it is too tough for me. And this is from a rather difficult, uh, um, tough personal experience. There was this one time when we went out, and, and on our way out, uh, it was level two wind, so it was calm, it was easy. We quickly arrived at our destination, and we enjoyed the sea, enjoyed the sunshine, enjoyed snorkeling and swimming around that island. But on our way back, uh, it somehow turns to level three to four kind of wind. And, and as we go against the wind, uh, back to where we came from, it was one of the t- toughest journey that uh, I've done. Uh, we were already a bit tired from all the swimming and snorkeling, and, and with the wind and waves working against us, uh, it just feels like forever to get back to where we come from. I felt like the kayak was not moving at all. Our waves kept pushing us back, and the worst is, we, we, we can't stop and rest in, in the middle because if we stop, we'll be pushed further away from the coast. And so we just need to power on. My muscles were complaining constantly, but there was just nothing we could do uh, but to force myself to pedal on. Uh, in the face of this not even critical weather, just kind of medium wind, uh, I felt powerless and weak. Feeling powerless and weak, this is probably how the church felt uh, in our passage today. As they face a powerful king, as they face persecution by King Herod. Uh, We are currently in our X sermon series, uh, The Spreading Flame. The last two months we've seen the early church kept growing as the word of God was preached. Uh, the gospel has been brought to from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to um, last week Antioch. Uh, Many people turned to Christ. Um, Saul who was originally persecuting the church and Cornelius a gentile centurion and also Ethiopian eunuch and all these other people. And this spreading of the gospel was not without challenges as well. We, We see Christians with raw motivations asking for uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see Saul, after converted, preaching Christ as Lord, and the Jews want to kill him. Uh, We see Peter, after uh, bringing the gospel to Cornelius, uh, went back to Jerusalem and being criticized by the Jewish Christians. It was a journey full of ups and downs, full of challenges, and full of God's work. And in our passage today, the church faces an even more serious uh, challenge, uh, persecution from King Herod. Well, how would the church respond to this persecution? Uh, We'll go through our passage in these four points. Uh, First, King Herod versus the early church. Uh, Second, King Herod versus God. Third, contribution of Peter. And fourth, God as the one true king. At the start of chapter 12, we've been told clearly King Herod lays his hand on the church, arresting some of them uh, to persecute them. So in verse 2, verse 2, that he, that is King Herod, uh, had James, the brother of John, put to death with sword. Well, the church previously has gone through different persecutions as well. Uh, the martyr of Stephen, the plots and accusation from the Jewish parties, from the high priests, the the, the elders, the teachers of the laws. But this time it's different. They are not just influential people. They are not just the upper class of the society. Uh, The enemy of the church is a king. It's King Herod who was Um, the the ruler of the whole region. Uh, He was also known as Agrippa the Great, a king who governed the whole Judea, a king who actually has an army under him uh, anytime ready to do his command. And as King Herod flexes his muscle, uh, we see it's a different, different level of threat to the church. Immediately, James, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, 12 disciples, a significant, significant leader of the church in Jerusalem, uh, immediately got killed. And this, is, this isn't the end. Right after um, James' execution, Peter was seized as well, uh, intended to be killed by King Herod after Passover. And, and notice this extra information that um, Luke has given us in verse 4. Uh, Peter was heavily guarded in prison by four squads and four soldiers each, which probably means that he's being guarded day and night. Uh, The chance to escape for Peter is very, very bleak. From a human perspective, it's an extremely one-sided situation. It's like a child fighting with uh, a heavyweight boxer. Uh, The church has no chance at all. It's just no match against an earthly king. Uh, Following James' execution, it can almost be certain that Peter will have the same end. He will also be killed after Passover. It's a very hopeless situation. Uh, It's like, imagine our church is being persecuted. And one of our ministers uh, has been executed and the other put into prison. I think that's how the church in Jerusalem uh, was feeling back then. Uh, Seemingly, nothing can be done. Seemingly, Peter's fate is certain. Seemingly, it's just a hopeless outcome awaiting the church. Oh, but is this the reality? Luke gives us an interesting summary of the situation in verse 5. It's literally, on the one hand, Peter was in prison, but on the other hand, the church was praying earnestly. Almost suggesting, despite the seemingly one-sided power difference, it somehow can be a a fair fight. Well, why would Luke describe it like this? Uh, Let's read on. It comes to the night just before Peter's trial, uh, before King Herod. And Peter was sleeping, uh, still heavily guarded. Uh, two soldiers on his two sides, bounded uh, with chains. And, and sentries stood guard at the, at the door, at the, at the entrance. And in verse 7, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. The power difference is indeed very real. The church is indeed powerless in itself and no match against King Herod. But it's actually not just a fight between King Herod and the church. King Herod not just facing the church, but actually... He is also picking a fight with God, and even though King Herod has all this power on this earth, he is no match against God. The chains look promising, but it's nothing before God's angel. It just um, f- fell off uh, when, when listening to the angel's command. Uh, the guards and the iron gate are, sounds reliable, but they are bypassed and open itself somehow. Under the power of God, all this human power seems to be a joke. Uh, Peter just went through all of them safely and quietly um, without anyone noticing. From a human perspective, uh, verse 5 seems a bit weak. Uh, Peter was kept in prison, and what a church can do is only to pray. Prayer looks weak in the face of a powerful king, in the face of an army. And oftentimes, uh, as Christians, we we can be tempted to think this way as well. Uh, Prayer just becomes a last resort uh, for us when when we have no other options, when we have no other resources, uh, when I have nothing to rely on, then I turn to prayers. Uh, when in an when extremely painful and, and sorrowful situation, when I don't know what I can say, what comforting words I can say, I end the conversation with, I'll pray for you. But this is a seriously misinformed way to approach prayer. This is an absolutely wrong way to, if we understand prayer uh, of our God, of ourselves, and of our relationships. If we truly know God that he is an all-powerful God, he's in control of everything and all this power in this world is is under him, Um, we will come quickly to him in prayer. If we truly know that God is a personal God, he he wants to relate with us, uh, he wants to listen to us, he he is the loving father and we are his beloved children, we will turn quickly to him and share with him and relate to him. If we truly understand the purpose of salvation, that we are saved from a self-centered, self-dependent, self-sufficient kind of way of life, Uh, we will learn to express our dependence, our surrendering to God in prayer, saying to Him, Your will be done, God. If we truly understand ourselves, if we truly understand our own weaknesses, our powerlessness, we'll pray to God more often and ask him to strengthen us. Our right understanding of God of ourselves uh, will cause us to um, pray to God, whether in desperate situation, whether in difficult situation, or maybe in good times as well, um, to express a life of full dependence on God with prayer. Well, this is how the early church uh, faced extreme power difference. When they're being persecuted by the earthly king, by King Herod, when their leader is seized by the king's army, uh, they prayed earnestly, and God works powerfully and saves his people. Well, Peter was saved through God's hand uh, via via the many prayers of the church. And after he was saved, uh, what did he do? In verse 11, verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Interestingly, in between this clashing between God and King Herod, I uh, missed this uh, exciting kind of salvation act by God, Luke included this account uh, concerning what Peter did after he was saved. It, it was a bit anticlimax. A uh, God, a powerful God, uh, kind of having a fight with King Herod, who was in control of the, whole, whole, the area, Judea and Samaria. And then we suddenly turn our focus to, to a confused human, Peter. Uh, why, why did why did Luke include this account in here? I think this is to highlight the contribution of Peter to this rescue. First, the rescue is all done by God. Uh, Peter didn't contribute anything to this rescue. Uh, he was woken up, chains fell off by itself. Uh, he follows the angel's uh, instructions and, and bypass the guards. And as he uh, come to this gate, the gate opened itself. Peter was totally passive. He didn't contribute anything to this rescue at all. In fact, he, he, he thought he was seeing a vision, and he only realized that he was actually saved after the angel left him. Well, second, even though Peter didn't contribute to his own rescue at all, he contributed by spreading the word of God by telling others that God, how God has saved him. Uh, after understanding he is saved, uh, Peter didn't leave Jerusalem to escape King Herod immediately, uh, which is necessary, and he did at the end, uh, leaving Jerusalem. But, but he went first to the house where the Christians gathered uh, and tell them how God has delivered him in verse 17. And also asking the Christians there in the house to, to tell this saving act to, um, to James and the brothers in Jerusalem. Peter's first response after being saved was to tell others of God's salvation. Uh, This is how Peter contributed to the spreading of God's word. He was totally passive uh, when being saved, but intentionally stopped by the house where Christians gathered um, and tell them what God has done for him. And these are the patterns we follow as Christians. Uh, The same applies to us. Uh, Like Peter, we we do not contribute anything to our own salvation. Uh, Like Peter, we are totally passive in receiving the gospel. Uh, Just like Peter, um, just like God sent an angel to Peter and and loosened the chain, uh, God sent Jesus to us. On the cross, he died for us and loosened our chains. Just like the gate to the city was opened, uh, we also have a way opened before us, not to the city of Jerusalem, but to the city of God. And for some of us, we might even be like Peter in that uh, we were quite confused when God uh, saved us uh, with the process of God saving us. Uh, We cannot quite pinpoint at which point in our lives that the gospel touches our heart and we received Christ as Lord. We, it just, we just suddenly came to ourselves that the idea that we, we have been saved, uh, the idea dawned on us, just like it suddenly dawned on Peter. Our salvation is like Peter's. Uh, we do not contribute anything to it, and it's all God's working, uh, sending the Savior, changing our heart. Uh, Second, the aftermath of the salvation, Peter's example should be something uh, for us to to imitate, to follow as well as Christians. Um, The natural response after being saved is to proclaim the gospel, uh, to let others know what God has done, Uh, not just limited to the people who don't know Christ yet, but also to Christians, to those who already know Christ. This is the way that God has set up for us uh, as Christians, we tell each other how God has saved us, God's salvation plan. As we meet up, that's what we do. We encourage one another what God has done in our lives with, with, with God's uh, gospel, with Jesus. Proclamations should be a priority in our Christian lives, even before the urgent matters in our, in our lives. Uh, which the urgent matter for Peter was to leave the city immediately, um, to leave kind of um, Herod's jurisdiction. And for us, we will need to reflect ourselves. What is crowding out our desire to proclaim this good news to one another, to people who don't know Christ? Uh, These are the lessons and, and reminders we can learn from Peter's rescue. Uh, As Christians, we do not contribute anything to our own salvation, and the right response to God's salvation is to tell others, whether Christians or non-Christians, about what God has done in our lives. Uh, After Peter's escape, uh, Luke came back to to the main plot of our story today, between God and King Herod. So the next morning, realizing Peter had gone missing, in verse 19, uh, verse 19, after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. King Herod continues to, to be a powerful figure, figure uh, after Peter's rescue. Uh, he exercised his power by ordering the execution of these guards and it was carried Oh, his power allows him to be in control, even facing a conflict with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, Because these people rely on him for for food supply, um, they somehow in this conflict need to um, seek peace, ask for peace, uh, and seek peace um, from from, uh, Herod. His power shows in what he wears and where he sits as well. He dressed in his royal robes and and sat on his throne. He is this impressive ruler of Judea. And and after he publicly addressed the people, uh, they shouted to him, this is the voice of God, not of a man. King Herod is in this uplifted, glorious moment. And it is at this exact moment that God struck him down and he died. At the peak of his kingship, at the peak of his power, he died. Why? Uh, Luke told us because he didn't give praise to God, because he didn't treat God as God. Despite Herod's uh, impressiveness and his glory, he is no match against God. Luke shows us that God is the one true God. He's above King Herod. He's over every other power in this world. The clash between the two kingdoms, the power struggle between King Herod and God ends with a clear defeat of the king, an indisputable conclusion that God is the only true king of our world. Uh, today, we've seen the clash between the earthly kingdom and, and God's. And, and God mightily saves uh, as the church prays to him. Uh, we see that God is the one true king, and he defeats his enemy easily. And I was, as I was thinking about this passage, this famous scene in the movie Saving Private Ryan uh, came to mind. Uh, it is the last battle. Uh, the Americans were fighting the Germans, uh, preventing them to, to cross the bridge. Uh, but at the end, everything is lost. Uh, the Americans were, were outnumbered, and, and they failed to defend the bridge. And as the German tank uh, on the one side of the bridge pushed forward, um, Captain Miller on the other side of the bridge, lying there heavily wounded uh, with only his pistol left. And so he was aiming his pistol pointlessly to the tank, Um, yeah, just shooting it. And suddenly, the tank exploded. Looking up, he sees the Allied planes arrived at the perfect time and dropped a bomb to destroy the tank. Church, I think this is actually a pretty good um, scene to summarize our passage today. Just like the church in Jerusalem, as God's church, at times we can feel pretty helpless as we face the world. We, we are weak, we, we are unimpressive, and we are powerless. At times we can feel like we, we are using a pistol to, to fight a tank as we wrestle with our own sins and, and fail again and again. As we try to uphold God's truth uh, but face many objections, as we tell others about the gospel, but it often falls on deaf ears. As we serve in the church, and it seems fruitless and not much progress. Church, as our passage reminds us, indeed, our pistol can't, can't fight a tank. Indeed, our church is no match against the worldly power. Indeed, we are incapable of, of changing the world by ourselves. But in the end, it's not by our own power that we, we grow God's kingdom. It's not by our own power that the world can be changed. Only God can, can save Peter. Only God advances his own kingdom. Only through God's word that the world can continue to, uh, the world can continue to, to increase and spread in this world. And so next time, when we feel discouraged, when we feel helpless, when we feel powerless, maybe try to look up like Captain Miller, and we will be able to see someone much better than an allied bomber plane. We'll be able to see a powerful God working according to his own purpose, um, looking after us, uh, working with us, through us. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are the all-powerful God. You are the one true King, which all the power uh, under you. So Father, please help us to to grasp this truth and to express our dependence, to rely on you um, through prayers and through our decisions, our actions in life. Uh, particularly when we, we, um, in the times of difficulties, uh, when we are discouraged, uh, when we feel helpless and powerless, please help us to quickly turn to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.